It's a beautiful day and a fine time for healing. Podcast host Randy Fine, a narcissistic abuse expert and the author of the groundbreaking book Close Encounters of the Worst Kind and the captivating memoir Cliff Edge Road, invites you into her sanctuary, a place where your physical, emotional, and spiritual well-being are all that matter. So put your feet up, relax, and enjoy today's show. And now, here's Randy. Good morning. Thank you for tuning in to listen to A Fine Time for Healing. I am Randy Fine, your show host. And if you tuned in at 11 o'clock, you might have heard that I was having problems with that show. There was a, uh, the show was actually recording as I was talking and playing at the same time that my voice was. So it was very weird. So I had to shut that show down and reschedule it for 1130. So here we are at 1130. Uh, It is free advice Friday. You are welcome to call in. The number is 424-220-1801. This topic may prompt you to want to call in and ask questions. So please do if you have any. Today, I want to talk about why we get addicted to our abuser. Uh, And the reason I want to do this, I think it's very important that to understand that this is a chemical addiction, just like a drug. And it's a change that happens in our brain. It is not a free will. So when you are having a hard time leaving your abuser, you have to understand that there are brain chemicals that have been altered. And in the honeymoon phase of the relationship, the excitement of finding this perfect partner, the, per- the partner who checks all the boxes, uh, there's a powerful chemistry. It causes feel-good hormones to flood our brains. And this does not happen accidentally. It is deliberately done to you to get you chemically addicted to them, narcissists. So there are Three phases of love, which includes lust, attraction, and attachment. Lust is a hormone-driven phase where we experience desire. So this is driven primarily by, in men, the hormone testosterone, and in women, estrogen. In addition to this, for the second stage, Falling in love causes an explosion of dopamine and noradrenaline that make you excited. And I'm going to elaborate on these things so you understand exactly what has happened to your brain. So dopamine is associated with rewarding. And noradrenaline adrenaline is associated with excitement. It makes you feel more alive when you think about um, adrenaline. Very similar. So with dopamine, in the case of relationships, the reward of love and happiness caused by dopamine becomes enough motivation to keep repeating the reward-seeking behavior, which in this case is 
this narcissist that you have met. You want to have more because this is the perfect person. This is your soulmate. You've been told that you are soulmates. There's this connection that you cannot deny. And if repeated enough times, this dopamine creates a loop of this habit and you become cemented to that thought, to that person. The noradrenaline is something that it's a, it's a hormone that's released during attraction. And these are chemicals that make us giddy and energetic, uh, give us that euphoric feeling. You, it may even cause you to have a decreased appetite, make it hard for you to sleep. And you are so in love and preoccupied with it that you just are taken over. So nor, nor, wait, wait, what is this called again? Noradrenaline is similar, very similar to adrenaline. It produces that racing heart feeling and the excitement feeling. So I'm sure you remember this back to the love bombing and honeymoon stage. But where it gets really interesting is when the oxytocin starts flowing. Oxytocin is the glue that binds people together. It's the love hormone. It's the bonding hormone. And this is released when two people are, it can be released um, by mothers when they nurse their babies, but in, the, in relation to what we're talking about, uh, it's released when two people are hugging and especially during sexual activity. Researchers in, 2012, in a 2012 study found that couples in the first stages of romantic attachment had significantly higher levels of oxytocin than their unattached counterparts. Oxytocin is tied to more than just love. It's also released during sexual activity and linked to the intensity of orgasms. These events are precursors to bonding. And I found that on healthline.com, love hormone. So when you think about it, I always say, that as soon as you have sex with this person, you are going to be addicted. And this is one of the reasons. And in medical news today, they say, this is really interesting. I just found this. Among couples in which one partner was more invested in the relationship than the other, the more invested partner showed a greater increase in oxytocin levels when they thought about their relationship. The researchers suggest that this heightened increase in oxytocin may be an attempt to rebuild a relationship bond. Overall, the authors of this article believe that their findings support the identity and invest theory, whereby the brain identifies a vulnerable relationship and tries to strengthen it. So I found that super interesting because... In these relationships or 
well, hostage situations, as I call them, because they're not really relationships. These are unbalanced. And why do we work harder as the target? Why do we work harder towards this relationship? Well, you've got all these chemicals working. You've got this this high that you felt when you first met the person. And it creates reward-seeking behavior. So once you've felt it, you want to feel it again, just like you would a drug. So that's understandable. And that's where one of the ways that they get you. And after doing this over and over and over, there's a habit born. The person becomes locked into you. And the other part of it that I talk about, why you should not have sex with somebody right away. Because um, the oxytocin binds you. It's glue that binds you to the other person. And it's very hard to pull away once that happens. So the first thing that I wanted to share was why we become addicted, chemically addicted to our narcissistic abusers. Um, And recovering from this kind of love addiction requires withdrawal, tense neurochemical process. It is an agonizing experience. No one will tell you any different. It truly is. Um, You will feel this ache and throb that will make you desperately want relief. You will experience this deep yearning and obsession to have connection with the lost partner, the person who you had chemically bonded with. And because you began to identify through that person's eyes, you feel a loss of self-identity because now the interdependent attachment is gone. The intense feeling of rejection by an ex-partner sends a false message that reinforces what you may and probably already believe inside that you are not worthy of being with. And some of the symptoms that can happen are um, sleep disorders, depression, grieving, distorted thinking, feeling powerless, having panic attacks, anxiety, restlessness, um, worrying all the time. These are the emotional symptoms. The physical symptoms of love withdrawal can include insomnia, uh, vomiting, nausea, weight loss, tension, other things. So you're going to feel this on a physical and emotional level. And it feels like torture. But if you think back to what I explained to you, you are getting off of a drug. 
you're getting off of something that has altered the chemistry of your brain. And this is something that you have to give it time till your brain restores back to where it was. And it will. But some of the things that will go on that you should be aware of is there's, you're, you're going to be telling yourself lies. Your head is going to be telling you lies. Don't accept them. Understand that this is a difficult process and you don't want to accept the lies in your head. Another thing is uh, this is a really important time for self-love and self-compassion. You should be doing things that make you feel better and treating yourself well in all respects. But the tendency is not to treat yourself well. The tendency is to beat yourself up. The tendency is to blame yourself. Feel responsible for the demise of this relationship. Feel responsible that your abuser left you or your abuser cheated on you. You feel like you're responsible. So... It's important that you recognize this pain, be present with it, accept everything that you're feeling and thinking without resistance. Don't judge your feelings and don't judge your thoughts because they're not going to be healthy ones. And if you go into your head and you start analyzing what you're thinking, it's going to make you crazy. And then you get in this loop that you can't get out of. This is a time where you want to embrace solitude, quietness. And so many people tell me, oh, I feel like something's wrong with me because I don't want to go out and I don't want to socialize. Well, that's very good because that's very appropriate actually at this time. This is a time for solitude. This is a time to allow the healing to happen. You don't want to distract yourself. You don't want to get busy and work and not go through the pain. What you want to do is stay in the pain. Feel the pain. Allow these chemicals to readjust. And you are grieving during this time. This is a huge loss, a loss of tremendous proportions. So you are going to grieve, and you will probably need help with that. But understand that grieving is like a death. It's the same. You go through the same stages that you would with a death. And it's not easy, and you're going to go back and forth. But the final stage is acceptance. And when you can come to acceptance that what happened to you happened, that this person wasn't who you thought they were, then you will be able to move on. So you may be thinking, well, how long do I have to go through this? How long is this withdrawal going to to last? 
So you have to really give yourself time because it's different for everyone. But a large part of this process, the process of overcoming love withdrawal, is understanding that you will temporarily have to tolerate some of the pain, some of the uneasiness that you feel. It's temporary while being mindful that your brain has been in an addictive state, addictive state for some time. And it's going through a period of readjustment. And I hope you understand the gravity of this. I hope you understand that you can't just get over this. People tell you to get over it. And you begin to judge yourself for falling apart. You say, I know this person is horrible. I know I shouldn't be with this person. They're cheating on me. They're raunchy. They're disgusting. I don't want them around. And at the same time that you're saying that, you're wanting them. Or at least wanting to know that they still want you. And everyone goes through this. You know, you may, so I tell people, you know, you want to disconnect from social networking. You want to uh, block them on your, um, block them on your phone so you don't get messages. And if you can block them on your email, do so or not put it, throw it to your junk file, have it sent to your junk file. In the beginning, you are going to have that temptation to look. You're going to look at Facebook. You're going to look at emails. You're going to look at pictures because you have been, this, this half of you has been taken away and you just don't know what to do with this. But you'll notice that every time you do that, you're going to go through worse like a panic attack, you're going to notice that either that day or the next day, you're going to be suffering even more. So it's really important to keep this person out of your sight, out of your ears. (laughs) Um, It's hard enough that they're in your brain. But if you look at everything that they're doing, if you want to keep up with everything that they're doing, you're not going to be able to heal. Because the healing depends on the amount of contact and communication you have with this narcissist who is your drug. So when I say contact and communication, just the sight of that person will be enough. But so many people don't want to to block the messages. And as I said, because they, they just, as much as they know, they just have this need to know that they're needed. And that's perfectly understandable because if you've been in these relationships, well, even for short periods of time, but if you've been in them for long periods of time, you believed that this person was devoted to you. You believed you were in love and this person was in love with you. 
and to discover that this was only one-sided and the other person was an imposter is really hard to wrap your head around. So you've got so much going on. And it's important that um, if you, and I hear this also a lot, if you have recently had losses of loved ones within the last couple years or lately, this is going to be even harder for you because you are double grieving. And you are also thinking about that person and wishing that support system was with you. So it gets really, really tough. So, but although it feels unbearable and like it's never going to end, you will survive. If you take healthy steps to care for yourself during this chemical withdrawal, you won't only survive, you'll thrive. In the end, you will become stronger emotionally than you have ever been in your life. Going to be a period of pain, severe pain. I really recommend that you have uh, a support system. Excuse me. <clears throat> that you have a support system that can help you through this, because you're going to go out of your mind if you don't. It would be like, you know, somebody withdrawing from drugs all by themselves. That's not. It doesn't. It doesn't work that way. So you need a support system. I'm always here, and I help people through this process every single day, all day. Um, so I'm used to it. And I know that there is a light on the other side. So making the decision to leave your abuser is not an easy one. And... You shouldn't leave until you really are ready to leave, till you've had enough. Because if you don't, you're going to go back. So there's other things that make it really hard to leave your abuser. Um, so we talked about the fact that our brains are chemically addicted to them. And when that pivotal moment happens where everything changes, and suddenly you can't do anything right. You can't say anything right. They're putting you down all the time. You're getting confused. You are going to crave the high you feel. And you want to get it back. So you believe, why wouldn't you believe that that person was honestly representing his or herself? And why wouldn't you believe that that person was sincere in the feelings expressed to you? So your logical mind tells you, I know that perfect person existed. Maybe if I try this, maybe if I do that, she will come back to me. Maybe if I don't do that, maybe if I leave the person alone, you know, Maybe if I get out of their way, whatever, you can come up with a million things and keep trying them. And some people will try them for decades. 
trying to get the high back. That's how strong those chemicals are and how long-lasting that oxytocin, oxytocin, I have a hard time saying that word, oxytocin bonding, how strong that bonding is. And the longer you're with the person, the stronger the bond becomes. So you may rationalize that the person is going through something and once they get over it, everything will be back to normal. But the truth is that that person was an imposter brilliantly playing a role that was customized to you, that the perfect person never existed. If you believe that if you do everything perfectly, you're going to get that person back. But that person never existed. And that person that you knew will be a completely different person to everybody else because they customize who they are to you, to your vulnerabilities, to your weaknesses, to what they think you need. If you've had a loss in your life and you are feeling like you have no support around you, they're going to be the best support ever. Although they're going to tell you that, but they're not going to be it. But you're going to believe what they say and not believe what they do. So it's really important that you pay attention because their words and their actions don't match. Your protector is your abuser. So if you think back to the way uh, the things that you said in your interview, which is when you first meet this person or this person meets you or this person targets you or whatever, and you reveal a lot of information, they're going to customize that character to you, to what it takes to abuse you, to what you need. And they're going to say all the right things because of that, because they know what you need, what you're looking for. So again, they're going to say them, but they're not going to do them. So thinking back about this person is very, very difficult. It's very hard for somebody with a normal brain to wrap their head around the brain of a narcissist, which, which is so very limited. They are parasites and they are predators. That's it. That is the extent of who they are and what drives every thing they say and every behavior. They are looking for narcissistic supply 24-7. They need it. And they're not just going to get it from you. They're going to get it from other people. They're going to charm people on the outside. They may be cheating on you and getting it somewhere else. But they need that narcissistic supply. Um, So from the time they wake up in the morning till the time they go to bed at night, that is what they are in pursuit of. And they're predators because they look for prey. You were prey. 
this person just did not meet you and fall in love with you. This person targeted you. You were prey. So they have to find their prey and that they have to get supply from them. That is it. That's the extent of who they are. And everything else they say and do is to distract you from who they are. So when you think about that person and you're trying to rationalize all the crazy behaviors that have happened, you're not going to be able to because you're not dealing with a person or whatever that monster is that doesn't have a brain like you do. They're not processing things. They're not um, analyzing things. They're getting what they need, constantly getting what they need. So understand that you were preyed upon, you were victimized, and this had nothing to do with you. And then the love bombing began. The love bombing, I don't think that they understand the chemical addiction that happens. I think they just know that it happens. And they move very fast and they tell you things that get you very high on them. And they move that relationship very fast. And then if you have sex, you're done. That's it. You're not going to be able to get away from this person. You are going to be locked in. So um, that's why I explained all that in the beginning. One of the things that narcissists do to throw you off balance is called reward and abuse. And with reward and abuse, the narcissist will alternate intimidation, cruelty, hate, with kindness, with apologies and love. And through this vacillation of extremes, the narcissist has the ability to control your moods, your self-esteem, and your feeling of security. This is a good guy, bad guy game that confuses you. And having witnessed glimmers of goodness in this persecutor, In this abuser, you hold on to the hope that this person is going to change. But understand, it is a tactic meant to throw you off balance. The reward and abuse tactic creates a psychological powerlessness and dependence that convinces you you cannot escape or survive on your own. Still, you are in love with this person. And you are dependent on this person. So try not to sugarcoat what you're seeing. I know that you don't want this relationship to end. Maybe you do. But most people want to hold on. They don't want to end it. They have too much invested. So it's easy to buy into the manipulation and the lies. But if you really take it apart and you look at it, you're going to see their words never match their actions. And if they say they love you, 
They never show it. Love is, is an action. It's not words. It's an action. So if you don't feel like you're being loved, you're not being loved. It's not you. It's them. Really, it's not you, your abuser. Another thing that keeps people locked into these relationships is a promise of the future. So many people stay with their narcissistic abuser hooked by a promise of a future they believe in that they will have with this person, a future they've talked about together, a future they've counted on, a future that became a reality for you. So in your mind, this is going to happen. This is where you and this person are headed. And you are sure that this person is your future. No matter what your true reality is, you're going to hold tight to that dream because it's what you want. And why is it what you want? Because they know what you want. So they're going to promise things to you that are going to make you want to stay. So I talked about grieving before, but it's devastating when these hopes and dreams that you looked forward to are crushed. They're decimated. You're definitely going to mourn the loss of the future that you expected. But Really, it's better to create a realistic future than to hold on to one that never is going to materialize. So you have to take whatever time you need to get over the disappointment. And then you can begin taking steps towards building a life that will truly bring you happiness. This is not happiness. This never will be happiness. This is a lie, a great big lie and it's not going to bring you what you want um okay another thing that oh that's great another thing that um that keeps people locked into these relationships is finances and investments narcissists try some do some don't to financially tie themselves to you, which means they'll buy properties with you. They'll go into business with you. You'll allow them into your business. Um, You will invest in something together. You've put money into it. And maybe you've even loaned the person money or You've invested in a business, you know, like maybe they had a business. Maybe you had a business and you let them in. Or maybe you started a business together. And you know that if you leave, you're screwed. You're not going to get your money back. You're going to lose the business, business that you developed. You know that this is all going to fall apart if you leave. But you have to understand that this was done to make it harder for you to leave. 
Don't allow money to hold you hostage. I always say, if you get out with your sanity, you have won. It may not be easy, but you will survive and you will rebuild. You will rebuild the proper life, the real life. A lot of people have the fear of being alone. Many have abandonment issues left over from childhood. And you think that you'd rather stay with your abuser than go it alone. But if you have abandonment issues and that is holding you in this hostage situation, you need to work through those issues and you can you have to work through it so that you can eliminate the fear and move forward in your life without abuse, with peace of mind. Once you remove yourself from this toxic, toxic environment and you have the peace of being alone, you are going to value it. It may not be the best possible scenario, but you will not have to be on guard all the time, triggered waiting for the yelling to start, subject to the cold, distant behavior. Many people have the fear of being too old and starting over. Those who have been in narcissistic abuse relationships for years and years or began them later in life believe that they're too old to start over. I can definitely sympathize with that. I understand that feeling. And therefore, they cling to an abusive relationship thinking it's better than nothing. At least they have a companion. And at their age, they're not going to find anybody else. But the problem with that is if you stay in this relationship, it is going to make you sick, incapacitate you, maim you, kill you. When I say sick, I mean horribly sick. I mean, heart disease, cancer, things that are going to make you suffer. So it's not going to just, you're not going to get it and it's going to leave. These are things that if you stay in these relationships, the stress that you endure will make you sick. And once you are too infirm, to satisfy the needs of your narcissistic abuser, you become worthless. That person is going to leave you alone, helpless, penniless. So it doesn't matter what your age is. If you can't get out for your emotional health and safety, get out for your physical health and safety while you still have the physical means to do it. You are never too old to start over. But you don't have to stay in these environments. Um, Another one that's really popular is a fear of losing your friends or family and having your reputation ruined. I'm not going to lie. This is going to happen. The vengeful narcissist will go to any length to smear your name. The narcissist will portray his or herself as the victim and you as the perpetrator. Few people, if any, will stand by you 
and few people, if any, will validate your experience. That is why it is so important to build your boundaries, self-assurance, self-validation, self-love. Once you learn to validate yourself from within and walk with your head high, self-assuredly, none of that will bother you and you will rebuild. This is very difficult to deal with. And while you are thinking about this, thinking about all the people that have turned against you, it's painful. You don't understand how these people could turn against you. But think about it. If you, would you ever have understood narcissistic abuse until you were in it? It's crazy. It's counterintuitive. It's opposite land. Nobody understands this. So they rationalize that you had something to do with the demise of your relationship. You didn't. But they're going to tell you that you did. So it's hard to get a support system when you leave, which is why, here I go again, (laughs) I stress over and over, you have to have help with this process. You have to have a professional who understands this. When I say that, don't go for the degree or the initials. That is not going to help you. You need someone who specializes in this, as I do, who knows how to deal with this. If you go to a regular therapist, they're not going to understand what has happened to your mind, what you're going through. They're not going to understand how confusing the behavior was and how your head is spinning because you can't figure any of it out. They don't understand that. They have no training. They're not going to understand it. You're wasting your time. You're wasting your money, and you're going to feel worse. Uh, And the last reason, this is a tough one, it's if you have children with this person. So if you do have children with your abuser, you are tied to this person for life. But that doesn't mean you have to stay in the relationship and be abused. Leaving a narcissist with whom you have children is often a complicated process. They may not want the children, but once you split up, your abuser is going to focus entirely on punishing you. And stealing your children from you or turning them against you is the most torturous way the narcissist can do it. I know that's a terrifying thought, but there are strategies you can use to level the playing field, to create a better outcome. Strategies. Don't remain in these relationships. Don't remain in a relationship with an abuser thinking it's best to keep the family together until your children get to a certain age. Many people say, well, I'm going to hang in there until they're 18, go away, and then I'm, I'm out. Don't wait for that, believing that that strategy is going to make it any easier to leave. Because every year, your children spend living with a narcissistic parent 
damages them more and more for life. You need to get them out and protect them. It doesn't matter how old they are. If they're 2, 3, 10, 11, whatever, 12, 14, they've already suffered damage. Already. And the longer they're there, the worse the damage gets and the harder it is to reverse it. So if you have children, get legal and emotional, professional emotional help. Um, you need to plan your strategy. And when everything is order, in order, as soon as it is feasible, leave. So that sort of simplifies the child thing. This can get very complicated, but that's not what this show is about. So I'm not going to go into parental alienation and all those kind of things. Uh, The purpose of the show, as I said, is so that you understand what happened to you. You understand the severity of what happened to you. You understand that you can't do this by yourself. You understand that you do love this person. And it hurts that they never loved you. And it takes a while to really grasp that. But you know, the thing about love is love transcends time and space. And your love was real. But the love that you have for this person, when you say, but I love him, but I love her, the love that you have for this person is based on the honeymoon phase. It's all based on the honeymoon phase. You are still in that mode. So you're loving that person, but that person has no longer shown up. Somebody else took over. That person is gone. They can't do it for very long because it's an act. They're great actors. But they need you, they need to capture you. They need to take you hostage very quickly. And so you'll notice that that's one of the things. They try to rush you along. They may tell you they love you or that you're their soulmate on your first date. How can that happen? How can that be? But you may be so hungry for that, or it may feel so good to hear that, that you're just a smitten kitten. <laughs> you know, you, um, you just want more. So this is difficult. If you've been in a relationship with a narcissist, it is no doubt difficult to get over it. So many people come to me and say, they come to me for, for help and Say, well, I don't know how you can help me. I've been to a psychiatrist. I've been to psychologists with PhDs. I've been to marriage counseling. I've tried medication. I've done everything. Nothing helped. Why do you think what you do is going to help? And I just, you know, I get a little sick to my stomach when I hear that because it it's painful to know 
that there are so many incompetent mental health professionals out there. But I've talked about this before. They don't know what this is. What you are experiencing is a whole conglomeration of things, which falls under the heading of narcissistic victim syndrome. But they don't know what narcissistic victim syndrome is. They've never heard the term, and they've never been taught what that is. And it's not diagnosable because it's not in the Diagnostic Statistical Manual, the DSM-5. It's not there. If it's not there, they don't recognize it, and they can't treat it. And, you know, you're not going to get any help. You will get help, you know, the way that they treat is from the top down. So they're going to treat your symptoms. They're going to treat your sadness, your depression, your loneliness. They're going to help you cope with those things. That's not going to help you because that's not what you need to cope with. You need to cope with the core situation. You need to know what happened to you. You need to understand the mechanisms used that have held you there, that have made it hard to leave, that have gotten you addicted to your abuser. They have to know that it wasn't a choice to get in it, and the choice to get out of it is extremely difficult. They won't support you because they think you had something to do with it. So be really, really careful with who you seek out for help. But I'm here. I can help you. And when I say that, I say that with the utmost confidence. There's nothing you can bring to me around narcissistic abuse that I can't help you with. So um, you can go to randyfine.com or email me at loveyourlife at randyfine.com. And if you're interested in what I do, the coaching that I do, um, randyfine.com slash finecoachingcounseling.com. Yeah, randyfine.com slash fine. Coaching, counseling. There's no .com on the end of that. That's not a double .com. So, um, and there you can directly make an appointment with me. So, if you're hurting, I don't want you to hurt. I really don't want you to hurt. I can help you. So, reach out. That's all I have to say is reach out. That's all I have for today. If you have any comments or questions, you can email me again at loveyourlifeatrandyfine.com. May joy and serenity always be yours. Goodbye. We hope you enjoyed today's show. Visit randyfine.com, R-A-N-D-I-F-I-N-E.com, and be sure to sign up to receive updates on the latest blog posts, events, and upcoming shows. Thank you for listening.